Hello there, uh, Grace uh, City Ottawa. We're starting a new series for Advent today. And we'll be looking at various uh, things that happened in the Bible from the first chapters of the Gospel of Matthew and of Luke. And the season uh, of Advent is a season that I love. It actually comes from the word uh, Adventus, which is a Latin word which means coming. So this is a season of waiting and hoping for something to arrive. And I do uh, like this season of Advent. It's one of my favourite times of the year. And for us as Christians, there's a sense of preparing uh, for the light of Christ to come. And I think it's a season with a past, a present and a future. A past in the sense that we, we look back, we reflect on a time when God came in flesh in the form of Jesus Christ to a little town called Bethlehem in the, in the Middle East. And it's a, sense, it's a season of the present because God continues to come in our hearts daily in this season. And I hope that's your expectation. That's certainly my prayer as we go into the month of December, that we, we can know God with us daily, helping to prepare our hearts in this season, causing us to reflect uh, and, and, and wonder about the amazing uh, good hope, good news and hope that we have and future as well. And actually, it's a sense in which one day this Jesus is coming back in glory and at the end of, at the end of this age, when he will bring in a new heavens and a new earth. So this is a season of great hope and expectation. And I guess one of the questions I would have for myself and for us as a church is, are we, are we longing for another kingdom to come? Because we can so easily settle for what this world has to offer. Are we longing for another kingdom to keep breaking in on our lives and on the lives of those around us? It's a season really for both a child to wonder and also for those with the greatest intellect to look into the mystery of the incarnation, that, that God became flesh. There's something for everyone in this season. And the Bible is a book of hope. It's good news for all those that have tasted what this world has to offer, but actually realise there's something more and there's something better and there's something more lasting. There's great hope in this season of Advent. And so what we're going to do today, I'm going to, I'm going to uh, open up the Bible. I'm going to do a sermon from the first verses of Matthew's Gospel. And we're going to read through it from verse 1 through to 17. It's a longer than we normally do. I'll probably miss a few verses near the end of the passage. But this is the genealogy of Jesus. And then I'll draw some things out of it for us who are now living in the 21st century. What, what is this saying to us? Why is this even in the scriptures? So Matthew chapter 1, uh, starting at verse 1. The book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham was the father of Isaac and Isaac the father of Jacob and Jacob the father of Judah and his brothers and Judah the father of Perez and Zerah by Tamar and Perez the father of Hezron and Hezron the father of Ram and Ram the father of Amminadab and Amminadab the father of Nashon and Nashon the father of Salmon and Salmon the father of Boaz by Rahab. And Boaz, the father of Obed by Ruth, and Obed, the father of Jesse, and Jesse, the father of David, the king. 
And David was the father of Solomon by the wife of Uriah and Solomon the father of Rehoboam and Rehoboam the father of Abijah and Abijah the father of Asaph and Asaph the father of Jehoshaphat and Jehoshaphat the father of Joram and Joram the father of Uzziah and Uzziah the father of Jotham and Jotham the father of Ahaz and Ahaz the father of Hezekiah and Hezekiah the father of Manasseh and Manasseh the father of Amos and Amos the father of Josiah and Josiah the father of Jeconiah and his brothers at the time of the deportation to Babylon. And then the next few verses, it says, and after the deportation to Babylon, and then we'll drop down to verse 16, and Jacob the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom Jesus was born, who is called Christ. In verse 17, so all the generations from Abraham to David were 14 generations. And from David to the deportation to Babylon, 14 generations. And from the deportation to Babylon to the Christ, 14 generations. And uh, you might think, well, what a strange way for uh, Matthew to start his gospel. I think today, uh, if a publisher had this and and someone wanted to start a book like this, you'd say, don't do that. Don't do that. Can you, can you imagine uh, today ha- having a look at, the, um, at, 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 at a digital view of this book? And it's like they show you the first few pages. This isn't really going to draw you in, is it? This isn't really going to excite you to think, I must download this book. This is amazing. It's a strange way to start a book. And so today I want to just ask, why would this happen? And what are the themes that are running through here that are relevant to our lives today? And I think there are a couple of reasons I want to mention by why, why maybe Matthew uh, did it this way. And the first theme I want to talk about is the theme of family. You see, this book doesn't start with a prophecy. It doesn't start with doctrine or teaching or miracles or theology or a parable, all of which would have been good. And we see that in other Gospels. Some of them start with teaching. Some of them are straight into the ministry of Jesus. Some of them talk about prophetic things about Jesus. Uh, Matthew's Gospel definitely doesn't do that. And uh, the New Testament begins, in effect, this is the first Gospel of the New Testament. This, This begins with a detailed account of a family tree. And I think Matthew is suggesting here a new family and a new beginning through Jesus. God is doing something new in the world. And let's think for a moment about Jesus and family, because I I think this was a priority for him in the scriptures, what we read about him. It's worth reflecting for a moment that Jesus comes through a physical family. Jesus isn't somehow miraculously transported onto the earth at age 30. He doesn't, he, he doesn't kind of transport down behind a hill and then walk round and suddenly find the, the disciples who are fishing and call them to be with him. There's 30 years of walking the earth before that happens. He has to be taken care of. He, he arrives in a manger. He arrives in a stable. He arrives as a baby who's dependent on his parents. We, we often overlook this. Jesus spends 30 years uh, in obscurity in the care of a family, of his parents, 
on a, in, in a village in northern Israel set on a hill that no one really knew much about, but being cared for within the, with, within the confines of a family. This is just the way God chose to do it. And Jesus is always seems to me to care about family himself. When he calls the 12 to be with him, he, he, that's what he does. He says, come and be with me. He doesn't, he doesn't come to them and say, look, turn up at this place at nine o'clock in the morning and we'll chat together for a couple of hours and then I'll see you the next day. It's, it's come and be with me. Come and spend life with me. Let's become like a spiritual family together. We're going to do this together. We're going to do life together. This is what he's asking his disciples to do. Many of the parables are about inviting the world to a feast. Let's have a great banquet together. And, and, and to his hearers, that would, have been, that would have spoken of family. That would have spoken of great feasts that happened in the context of family gathering together to eat. Notice at the cross in John 19, uh, verse 27, Jesus is on the cross and he's thinking about his mother. He, he says to John, the disciple, take Mary to be your mother. Bring her into your family. I want you to look after my mother when I'm gone physically from the earth. Jesus is thinking about family. He's thinking about his mother. Before the final ascension, we, we looked at it back in our previous sermon series uh, about what is Jesus, what is, what is the mission he gives to his church and to his disciples before he ascends? It's, he says, go and make disciples. Go and make lifelong learners of me. Not here's my program for life. Uh, here are the rules. Uh, go through these things with people and, and that's what you need to do. He says, no, go and make followers of me go and spend your lives with people and cause them to want to spend their lives with me this is what Jesus is saying go and make disciples he's all about family physical and also spiritual family you see God is calling us to be a family this life from my experience is very very difficult to live on your own <laughs> whenever I've tried to do that it has never gone well. It may do for a little while, but without wise counsel, without others around I can talk things through with and receive help and input, it never goes well in the long term. It's very difficult to live alone. We're not created to live alone. We need each other. John chapter 1 verse 12, the Gospel of John says this, but to all, but to all who did receive him, who believed in his name. So that's how many who received him or believed in his name. That's all, all who received him and believed in his name. He gave the right to become children of God. You could, you could read that he gave the privilege or the honour to become children of God for those who believe in him, for all. So if you've believed in Jesus Christ, if you've repented of your sin, if you've turned to Jesus and said, Jesus, I'm sorry for the life I've led. I, I want to make you the Lord of my life. If you've received him and believed in his name, he's given you the privilege of becoming a child of God, which is why those that you're in community with in Grace City are your brothers and sisters in Christ. 
you're now joined to them in a spiritual family. Just as we are, we, we, we've gone through the creed, the Apostles' Creed these last weeks, and we've talked about the Holy Catholic Church. And by that, we mean that the worldwide church, the communion of saints, of those who believe in Jesus. There's, there's a sense in which we are brothers and sisters with all in the world who believe in Jesus. But God's plan, God's wise plan, is that we gather in smaller communities where we can really help each other, called the local church. God has called us into a family, and I passionately believe in the church because it's a spiritual family. It's a way where we can help each other, we can support each other. We can mourn with those who mourn. We can celebrate with those who celebrate. We can give wise counsel to those that are confused. We can help in times of mystery. We're called into a family. And in this passage, I want to ask the question on the back of the passage I've just read out is, who is allowed into God's family? It's okay, but John says to all who receive him, but is every, can, can that happen? Can it, is it all? Who is allowed into God's family? It's very interesting. If you go through the verses that I read to you, verse 2 to 6, Abraham to David, the great Jewish leaders of the faith, but mixed in there are the names Tamar, Rahab, Ruth, actually Bathsheba, the wife of Uriah, and they're all women They've all got extraordinary stories, actually, of pain and confusion and mystery and surprise. Uh, you have Tamar, who's a, a, a Canaanite, Rahab, a Moabite. They're, they're not even, uh, they're not even of, of, the, of Jewish descent, of the nation of Israel. This, you have to think about who was listening to Matthew's gospel. It was primarily written by Matthew to, for Jewish ears, for Jewish people to listen to. And as they listened to this, it would have been quite outrageous because normally in that day, in society, you would have read through a list of, of the male genealogy from one man to another. And suddenly here, Matthew is putting in women. And it's not just women, it's, they're not even Israelites. What, and, and what, Jesus comes out of this? It would have been outrageous. And then Joseph. Who's Joseph in here? The father of Jesus. Who is he? I've never heard of him. Who is this Joseph? See, this is, this is important. This is important as we go through this list. You see, it's, it's speaking about no matter what your family tree is, who you know, however big or small you might think you are, however rich or poor, Whatever ethnicity you are, God has decided in Jesus to reach out to all who will receive him, who will believe in his name. There are stories in here, and maybe I'll touch on them in a moment. Uh, the story of Tamar in, in Genesis 38, it kind of interrupts the narrative of Joseph. It's an extraordinary story. It, it, in some ways, it's an ugly story. It's a strange story. One of Joseph is Joseph's brothers who, who, who leaves the nation of Israel and uh, he doesn't do well and he, his sons are not good. And he, he treats this woman Tamar badly, badly. 
but God brings something amazing out of it. Rahab, who hides the spies in the city of Jericho. You read about it in in Joshua chapter 2. And she's mentioned in Hebrews 11 as a woman of faith. Not an Israelite, but she sees something. She she reaches out. The God of the Bible is speaking into her heart and she hides the spies. And then her family gets saved. And remarkable things happen. And then she gives birth. Uh, she gives birth. And then that goes into the lineage of Jesus. And out of that comes the Messiah. These are extraordinary things. See, grace is not hereditary. The kindness and mercy of God is not passed down through families. It doesn't work like that. You, you, might, be, uh, you might be proud of your past. You might have had a great family. You might be ashamed of your past. You might think, this is, my past is awful. You don't know how bad it is. You might, be, you, might be, uh, uh, you might not even know your past. You might not even be aware of what's happened in your past. It, that's utterly irrelevant for the purposes of the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is what this, this genealogy is speaking about. It doesn't really matter about your background. It doesn't matter about your ethnicity. It doesn't matter who your parents were. It's If you believe in Jesus Christ, there's a way into his kingdom. And that is good news. It's not hereditary. The kindness and the mercy of God is not hereditary through Jesus Christ. It breaks into your life if you'll receive him and believe in him. It's very important today. Maybe you're struggling even with your past. Maybe you're a bit ashamed of your past. Even now you think, oh, I, I, I wish I had this amazing testimony uh, of this person or, or the way that they found God. Or you, you, I, I wish I had parents like this. I wish I was raised in a family like this. God said, no, it's not really relevant. It's not really relevant for the purposes of the gospel. It's what this is speaking of, this genealogy. God is saying, no, I'll bring in who I want to bring in. You believe in my son, Jesus Christ. You come in with the full rights of sonship. You're adopted into the family of God. It's about whether you'll believe in my son, Jesus Christ, not on your background. See, today we're cared for in a family in times of despair. It says in Psalm 68, verse 6, that God sets the lonely in family. That's what he loves to do. We grow in family. We can't do the journey alone. And Matthew is saying we don't have to. Okay, put your faith in Jesus Christ. If you're in this community in Grace City, I just urge you, get into a small group if you're not in one. Get cared for, express love to others and receive love from others. Know what it is to really be in a a local church, an expression of spiritual family where we can be together. So that's family. I see family coming through this genealogy and what that means for us. The second theme I think, think coming through is story. You see, Matthew groups the genealogy into three groups of 14. So verse one to five are the patriarchs. Verse 6 to 11, and then the kings who go through many seasons of trial. And then verse 12, kind of through 17, is the captivity in, in Babylon. And verse 17, um, uh, Matthew actually says that. He, he says there's 14 generations from Abraham to David, and then from David to the deportation in Babylon, another 14, and then from the deportation in Babylon to Christ, 14 generations. He sets it out. There's three groups here. And we have the luxury 
of being in the 21st century and reading verse 17. Oh yeah, that's obvious. There's 14 generations here and there's 14 generations and 14 here. Oh, that's yes, that's, that, that all makes sense. Can I say, if you were in the, in the middle of one of these 14 generations, you, it, it would have seemed chaotic. You would have had no sense of God working out this amazing plan of salvation that out of these people, out of this genealogy would come the Messiah. What good would come out of this? It's amazing. You would, but in the middle of it, you would have had no sense of what God was doing. There would have been days, weeks, months, possibly years where you would have even felt, where is God? God seems to be absent. What is happening? This is chaos. This is, this is mystery. I don't know what's happening right now. It just seems hard. But God is, is weaving something beautiful through this, through all these people's lives. And they're not smooth lives. They're chaotic. You see, we see it from a different perspective today. You see, out, out, of, out of Tamar, the story of Tamar, I can't go into it in Genesis 38. There isn't time. But... but she's badly treated it involves her pretending to be a prostitute okay Uh, sleeping with one of Joseph's brothers uh, being pregnant and then uh, and then try and then being deceived herself but but through it in the end the truth comes out Uh, she she has an, an apology made to her and out of her line comes the messiah this is that at the time that would have been terrible it's like, what? This is, this is disaster. My life's fallen apart. And God says, no, no, it hasn't. I'm, I'm doing something beautiful. You don't understand what I'm doing. I'm, I'm making beautiful things out of chaos because I'm the God that does that. I'm the God who restores, who puts things back together, who does beautiful things in the midst of what looks ugly. That's what God does. We see it with Rahab, the spy, the, 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 sorry, the woman that helps the spy who's then brought into the nation of Israel, brings forth a son, Boaz, who then marries Ruth, who then brings a son called Obed and then Jesse and then King David. And you think, what is happening here? How amazing is our God? He can just breathe on these situations that seem so difficult. And he brings forth beautiful things. And then clarity comes with the birth of Jesus Christ. See, our ancestors would never have understood what we do today. And I wonder today, do we often understand what God is doing in our lives and in the lives of those around us? I think so often we don't. And for some of you today, this season can feel like you're in chaos. It's been a tough year. It continues to be a tough year in all sorts of ways. It can feel like you're in a season of confusion, a season of mystery, just a tough season. This is difficult. It's important because none of us know how often how things will work out. We don't know. And I want to say you're in the centre of your story right now. Just as these names that I've read out from this passage, they they had to live through their lives. 
And we look back now and think, oh, that's clear. Okay, it's wonderful. But in the middle of it, it's very confusing, very mysterious. And maybe even now, God may feel far away. You may have big confusion in your life, struggle. It's just hard, God. What are you doing? What have you done in 2020? What's happened this year? It wasn't what I expected. I set my goals for 2020. I thought my life would be like this and it's, I'm here. And I thought I'd be way over here. God, you've caused confusion. I want to say there's hope for you. Your life could be moving toward profound clarity. Because God has the ability to breathe on what seems like the most chaotic situations, the most difficult, and cause something wonderful to come out of them. This season is all about the possibility of hope. See, all stories have tension. Your life is a story and all stories have tension. Maybe saying, what is happening in my life? I want to say to you, will you trust God with the chaos and maybe the unpredictability of your life right now? You see from the passage I've read out, God does beautiful things through these lives in the midst of chaos, in the midst of what is happening here. Let's pray together. Father, we, we thank you that verses like this are in the scripture. They probably wouldn't have been there if we'd have written it. But we thank you. We thank you for these verses. We thank you for this list of names. We thank you. We come to a God who loves people, who loves family, who calls us into spiritual family. We thank you. We come to a God who is writing the most beautiful stories over our lives. And I pray for those this morning that feel like their life is a little chaotic or it's just very tough or very mysterious. Pray for those who feel that 2020 hasn't worked out in the way they thought it would. And I want to pray today, God, for you to draw very close and for them to see you as the God who works in the midst of chaos and unpredictability and does beautiful things in our lives. God, I pray for hope to come alive in many people in the name and for the glory of Jesus. Amen. Let's continue by worshipping together.